0: to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves. Man, it's episode 35 already. We're talking about our Robotech memories. I'm Taylor, and with me as he is every month when we wander back through the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and the 90s. He's well. He's the Veritech fighter to my SDF one this month. It's my brother Seb. Seb, how's it going,
1: Taylor? Ladies and gentlemen, hi. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: Pretty good. It's been it, it's been about two months since we've last recorded together. It feels like uh, we had our episode last. That's right. Time, it has it been of our our summer hiatus episode, sort of. Uh, great episode, by the way. Uh, I tip my hat to you if I wore a hat. Thank you. Um, but it's really good to be back in the saddle with you. And, uh, how have you been for the past two months?
0: Um, busy for the most part. Uh, it's, it's been back to school. Uh, the world has continued being a horrible pit of (laughs) chaosness. Um, but there's been some good stuff in there as well. Okay. Um, and there's also been some horrible stuff in there too. So, I mean, it's really, it's a mixed bag. It's 2020. What are you going to do?
1: It is a pretty Um, wacky year. You know,
0: we, we started... It, it is. Yeah. You know, um, we we started the month by um, actually seeing each other.
1: For, for the first time, I think this calendar year. Yeah. Over at Mom and Dad's, we did a little social distance yes. uh, uh, birthday celebration. Um, and it was it was pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. Just a, a little bit of a hangout. And yeah. Yeah. That was nice to see you. I, and, and you're right. We hadn't seen each other since we recorded our live episode uh, our commentary for back to the beach Back to
1: the beach that's right. um
0: which is kind of insane when you think about it oh man Jeez. um so yeah that was nice thank you for bringing the red bus brew down for me that's delicious Wonderful. um it's all gone <laughs> um and then yeah it started started september uh by losing our cat memers to cancer
1: i'm sorry for your loss um, of course, listeners to our podcast will know that Memer's the cat was almost like our honorary third chair. He we heard him in the background so often on so many episodes. Uh, but I mean, absolutely, we, we love, Godspeed, Memer. We love you wherever you are. Um,
0: yeah. Well, right now he's on the mantle. There you go. Because because we got ashes, uh, not because we had him stuffed or anything. Okay. Um, but it probably won't be too long. And we're going to have cats again. I mean, I think that's a given. Oh really? Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. We're, we're doing some looking around already a little bit. We, Mm -hmm. we kind of like having animals in our lives. So, Mm -hmm. okay, definitely. Um, well, you know, previously on, if memory serves, we should, uh, point out the fact that I believe last month, maybe it was earlier in September. Um, that uh, Dame Diana Rigg of Avengers fame, she is even in Doctor Who, she's in so many wonderful things, uh, passed away, I believe, at the age of 82, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I just we had I had to mention this. I think I, I, I could I could almost swear that that I mentioned her in one of our previous uh, Valentine's Day episodes as someone I have and had had a, a pretty big crush on growing up, like I'm sure millions of other human beings. Um, but, you know, incredibly talented actor and. Um, you know, just a real, real character, a um, real classy person. Um, and, you know, we've lost so many people, celebrities and just ordinary folk this year. But this one just kind of felt like it hit a little closer to home than most of the others. So, um, but, you know, uh, I we, totally get it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge James Bond guy, but she was basically the Bond girl in my favorite all time uh, James Bond film. Um, it, the, she's the only Bond girl that James Bond mm-hmm. ever married. You know, it was the so. I mean, it, it's I don't know. She's just she was just awesome. You know, she was great. Um,
0: I get it, but yeah I, to, yeah, I had to
1: throw that into the show notes. Um, and uh, let's see what no,
0: else. absolutely uh, worthwhile. We talked about it on Podcastica too.
1: Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Was she in? No, she was. So she was in a little, doc, a little bit of Doctor Who, um, or.
0: She she was in one uh, 11th Doctor episode.
1: Really? Wow. Good for her. That's awesome. She's touched so many different awesome yep. franchises when yep. you think about it. You know? Yeah. Totally cool. Totally cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, Diana Rigg, I tip my hat as well to you. <sighs> but uh, as they say, the show must go on. And also previously on, um, listeners to the If Memory Serves podcast will know that my brother and I have talked over the months and years about the... Production, -production, pre-production, post-production of uh, Bill and Ted Part Three, the third uh, episode in the Bill and Ted franchise, and I'm happy to say I finally uh, took it out for a spin on the old uh, uh, on-demand a couple weeks ago, and it was actually pretty good. I I really enjoyed myself. Mm -hmm. It was yeah, it was awesome. Um, It was really I I don't know if you had to to see it yet or not. Great, but
0: uh, I I have not. I have read many reviews about it, but I've not seen it yet.
1: I'll have to say I was really touched by a lot of the, the minor characters and actors that they, they managed to bring back. Um, so that was pretty fun. That was cool. Yeah. But yeah, if you have a good chance to check nice. a look at it, I'd love to hear what you think about it. So yeah.
0: Oh, I plan on watching it. Cool. And I guess um...
1: it was, it was really great because they were up front and center. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I don't want to bad mouth the, the, the most recent Star Wars films, but those movies kind of, it seemed to me took the, main characters from the original trilogy and there was so little of them it was almost like they were props in the background of se- certain scenes you know but you know bill and ted were up front and large and in charge in this this movie so that was pretty cool i, I dug it it's pretty nice
0: nice yeah very nice we take a moment to recognize the train passing in your neighborhood the,
1: yeah the many yeah I get about 40 an hour yeah <laughs> oh yeah
0: what would be funny is if we happen to know which way one was headed and we actually recorded long enough that it passed through through my neighborhood.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, where they could say hi. <laughs> uh.
0: So, I'm well, really... I tell you what, in the yeah, news, we've got right. a few things to look at. Um, one of the things that uh, popped up, I mean, there was a lot to filter through because I didn't do a news segment at all uh last month um but one of the things because we've talked about video games in our in our second episode almost three years ago now um there's an article remembering the amazing music from pilot wings
1: oh yeah super nintendo it was one of my favorite games for that system um and yeah it was just kind of really weird funky jazzy uh electronic music um it was like I don't know how to describe it. It was like yeah. the music you would hear in an elevator, or if you were on hold on the telephone. But um, it, it, it. I can't imagine that video game without that music. I mean, it's so iconic to it, um, in my opinion. Uh,
0: oh yeah, and and there, I think they're really, I think we said it then, and and it's still true now. I don't, there really wasn't another video game that had music quite like that, right? Um, and it's it's really impressive so yeah they they the article goes into kind of just you know the technology that became available at the time that allowed them to um kind of have this more complex um soundtrack Mm, okay to this game than than games that came before it you know Mm -hmm. so pop over to the show notes and check that out uh, next up, uh, somebody's come across and shared out uh, a 1985 behind-the-scenes video of the making of Goonies.
1: <laughs> uh Oh, wow!
0: And Seb, do you, do you have do you have memories of Goonies?
1: Oh well, sure. Yeah, um, uh, really strong memories of Sloth. Uh, I really related to Chunk. You know, mm-hmm. I was kind of a chunky kid growing up. Um, uh, and we know, both were. The Fratellis, Mama Fratelli, just, you know, she kind of stole that movie in a way, uh, One-Eyed Willie, uh, mm-hmm. Willie Boss. I, I did I did kind of sometimes, um, I mean, it, it's the kind of film you can't really think too hard about. You kind of just have to let it happen, you know? If you try to, like, think about it rationally, you're like, wait, yeah, so, How definitely. Is, how is that, you know, pirate ship still seaworthy? But, I mean, ultimately, just an all-time classic 80s, you know, nostalgia fest, really. Um uh you oh know. for sure and, well, and, and i think even some of the
0: buildings that right yes and i even think some of the buildings that were originally uh used as set pieces are still up there in the pacific northwest today
1: oh that's pretty cool yeah yeah you um you know that film is... um
0: so it was what
1: no I, w- I was just gonna say it um there's i think that it might be one of my favorite 80s films but it's weird because it's like it never seems to inspire some sort of franchise and the thing about 80s films is it seems like everything got a serial or a cartoon show or a toy line and that movie i mean i guess it i mean it was a kid's movie but at the same time there was so much casual cussing and jokes about sexual torture devices that they would use on their like hispanic maids and stuff like that that it It was just, it was so weird, you know? I don't know. I mean, I know that they've always talked about trying to do a sequel, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine what it would be like. I don't know. Anyway, just random music. Yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, especially 35 years down the road.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, Seb, if you haven't looked back over to our recording window, and folks, if we sound a little bit different, it's because um, John's Mixer died earlier this week, and so we're using ZenCaster. Uh, to record and tonight we're having just a little bit of lag between the two of us that hopefully when everything is edited out and synced up it will sound just perfectly fine but if we sound a bit like we're talking over each other a little bit it's because we've got just a little bit of lag between Seb talking and me talking but well, what's what's lag between brothers um right exactly what's what what's a few seconds of lag between friends right yeah so there's a book out now that features a deeper look into some of the X Files' best cases, and this was a interesting share that I thought I'd bring up after our X Files episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, um... Um, was... and so I was just going to say that the book is is out now. Came out in the middle of September, um, and it uh, features just a lot of in depth look. And um, some props and actual paperwork from some of the show's best cases. But Seb, I've got a feeling you were going to bring up an interesting bit of uh, X-Files trivia that you've been following on the internet, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a um, there's a gentleman who is a big-time collector of X-Files props and memorabilia. Um, he has actually a Facebook page um, dedicated to his collection. And for some reason, I think because he takes a lot of these materials, tries to preserve them, and especially takes them on the road to, like, different conventions so fans can enjoy them. I think he's built a pretty close relationship with x mm-hmm. creator Chris Carter. Um, and Carter apparently gives him a lot of the original props. And I think over the past two or three weeks, um, uh, Chris Carter has provided this gentleman with a sh- an entire shipping crate full of just... Everything that Chris Carter had, apparently, as far as I can see. And this gentleman, it's been really fascinating. He's been live streaming on Facebook the unpacking of this shipping crate. And every other couple of days, he'll throw something up on Facebook where it's like, he'll have, you know, the other day he he had a um, uh, a cardboard tube that contained the original I Want to Believe poster from Fox Mulder's office, you know, on the set. You know what I mean? Um, just really yeah. iconic pieces. mm mm-hmm you know, like Chris Carter's like personal laptops that he used, used to like write all the stuff and they still run. And it's just, it's a really, it's, it's, it's super fascinating. It's just, it's really interesting. And it's, it's really great because it sounds like this guy, he's such a um, fan that he wants to like make these things available to the public in some sort of museum setting or something like that. So that's really cool that there's this book that's coming out that kind of looks at props and stuff like that too. So that's, that's pretty awesome. I love it. Nice.
0: That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's really neat. And this next piece well, of news... Well, lastly, uh, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Seb.
1: Oh, this next piece of news really kind of bummed me out. I, I, I saw what you had here. Um,
0: yeah, tell us about it.
1: Well, it looks like Ron Cobb, the designer of many iconic movie props from the 70s and 80s, had passed away. Um, according to the link here, he was 83. I believe he designed, um, amongst other things, uh, the DeLorean from the Back to the Future franchise, the Time Machine, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. So and that's just, you know, it's so iconic, you know. I mean, were there other um really amazing designs that 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 you had read about that he had he had come up with or
0: Well, yeah, sure. I mean, he worked uh with a lot of the um, Alien franchise, right? So the right. whole the whole Xenomorph. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um uh the ship of the Nostromo. Um, I think he did some work with um raiders of the lost ark
1: mm-hmm. yeah, um, really a number stuff. of yeah. very
0: iconic films and and even yeah et um you know and and even before that he was a um he was a cartoonist
1: oh okay interesting i could see that i could see how a cartoonist could could yeah to movie production design yeah well, yeah well, so uh
0: that. you know uh, definitely yeah Definitely salute you. And, and a lot of iconic stuff that we remember growing up from film uh, and stuff, we have him to thank for it. So mm-hmm. uh, check out the article about that. Check out some of his designs in the show notes there. And in the meantime, it is time to uh, cue the dramatic theme music <laughs> because I listened to it just today. It is time to talk about our Robotech memories.
1: Here we go. Ah, Robotech what are we, where do we begin? How do we how do we even begin to uh, discuss the brilliance, the the epic sweep of Robotech? I mean, I guess I guess one place we could start would be to kind of kind of try to summarize just what the heck it even was for maybe some of our listeners who may not have grown up with it or didn't watch it or maybe don't fully remember it. I suppose. Um, and you have some great information here in the show, mm-hmm. kind of about the uh, the genesis of the history of Robotech because. As our listeners tonight are going to learn, it's it's in a way it's kind of convoluted and, and it kind of weaves in and out. Um, essentially, there was in the mid nineteen eighties a cartoon show that was shown on American television that Taylor and I fell in love with, like you know millions of other you know American boys and girls across the country at the time, um, and it was a cartoon show called Robotech. Um, the basic and you know, it was a Japanese animation. Um, production. And basically, the the main idea was it was kind of a space opera. And you had the good guys, which were humans, uh, of course, this was set in the future, um, battling the bad guys, which were aliens. So in that sense, it's, it's easy to comprehend what we're talking about. The weirdness, I guess, kind of crops up is in the fact that this cartoon show shown in the United States actually started out life as three separate independent and unrelated cartoon series in Japan that were taken by American producers, dubbed into English, and some of the um, uh, plots of the different franchises were sort of changed in order to kind of weld these unrelated properties into one unified grand universe, I guess you might say, Um, which I think... I think it's still something that's incredibly controversial among fans of Japanese animation to this day. From what I can understand, I think there's a lot of people who look at the American version of Robotech and they recognize it as something that got millions of people interested in Japanese animation. Um, And then you have a kind of another group of fans who kind of really respect the original Japanese productions. And now they look at what was done... In America, in terms of you know changing storylines and characters and things like this, and they kind of regard it as almost like an act of violence against an original classic, and and and, and almost like the American version is like a bastardized version of the original. Um, personally, I mean, speaking for myself, I really um, enjoyed the the American version. Um, even as a little kid, I really didn't understand that. I mean, I understood it was something coming from Japan that was dubbed into English, but I didn't understand that it wasn't what the Japanese viewers were seeing or had seen was really in any way different than what I was seeing. I guess, um, and, and there's there's so much to it. There's so much to Robotech. I mean, one thing to say, I guess, is one of the big aspects of the cartoon franchise is the fact that the the good guys, the humans, are um, operating giant building-sized robots that the humans pilot from within um robots that have all sorts of funny names like you know spartans and defenders probably the most famous of these robots is called the valkyrie which is a big robot that walks around and it looks like a person but it can also transform like a transformer we had our transformer episode a couple months ago it can transform into what essentially looks like an f-14 tomcat fighter jet but it's all it's actually a fighter jet that can actually fly through the vacuum of space um but it's an amazingly awesome um design, image, toy, cartoon vehicle, I guess. Um Tay, I mean you were I mean, you were right there with me in the sense that we thought it was a pretty badass cool looking thing, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think for me personally, um Robotech was unlike like anything that we watched. I mean it was it was drama. It yeah. wasn't um, Muppet Babies you know it wasn't uh, uh, Looney Tunes mm-hmm. um, there was a very seriousness to the plot line even if they took like three different animes and smashed them together because mm-hmm. I don't know we're Americans we just smash things together until it works <laughs> um, to make that uh, plot line now I didn't I didn't know about any of that until I was an adult it's not something I was aware of as like you know, a, a, an eight or nine year old, mm-hmm. um, because we would get home from school and it, it, it was on channel 44, which is KBHK back in the days is three mm-hmm. 30 in the afternoon. It'd be like the first thing we'd watch after getting home from school. Yep, And, um, I, 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 yeah, I never knew that it was an amalgam of, let's see, uh, the Super Dimension Fortress Macross from 1982, okay. The Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross from 1984, and Genesis Climber Mas Peda from 1983. Like I never, I, at that age, I had no idea that these were all separate things. It was it was all just one story. I get it now because you know, um, for weekday syndication, you need something like a minimum of sixty-five episodes. Mm. um and so that's like 13 weeks you know five episodes a week and um you know anime series in japan you know it's like oh here's a series that's 12 episodes here's a series that's 16 episodes you know Mm. it's much smaller uh runs Mm. of stories so to try and get into the american market Mm -hmm. you've got to have a much greater volume and so the guys at Harmony Gold were like, "Hey, let's take these three things that kind of look similar-ish, and let's make an American storyline for it." And I, I get what I get the attitude of it between, "Hey, this this introduce this was a gateway for a lot of kids that were our age to get into this this different animation, this different storytelling style." Um, but I also understand kind of the more purist thing it's like you know it's, it's like taking three different cars and like welding them together to make another car right and right. saying this is a car you know in a sense it is and in a sense it isn't um for me personally not knowing any of this background mm-hmm. um it was just an introduction to a, a whole different level of Storytelling and adventure mm-hmm. and um, animation style. I mean, there there was short of what Speed Racer. Let's be honest. You know, at 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 that time, at our age, there wasn't really anything else like this. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, and I, I, in a lot yeah. of ways, that's what grabbed our attention.
1: Yeah, I was. I'm, I've been thinking in my mind of the timeline, and I'm pretty sure I, I must have watched Robotech before I got into mysterious cities of gold which were basically the two things in my childhood that that were big japanese animation things that i that i really dug um completely different feel than you know looney tunes cartoons or something like that you know what i mean um very action-packed um it was Uh it was a time in my life when i was sort of you know Eighty-five. I'm getting out of Star Wars. Robotech sort of became the space opera du jour that I was getting into, and in a lot of sense, it felt more mature, more adult. Just like what you said, right? There were were character arcs in here where you know you were having people falling in love, or people who were in love with two different people at the same time. You had main characters that were being um, killed in battle. Things that I never saw in any other TV show, movie, cartoon, something like that. It definitely felt very adult. a lot of the things about Robotech are um, are, are, are beautiful and bizarre. Um, the bad guys, the aliens, they they are a race of aliens called Zentradi. They look like people, you know, two arms, two legs, whatnot. Yeah. But they're huge. They're like as tall as a building, as tall as these Valkyrie um, machines that the, the good guys, the humans walk around in and fight in. Um, there's a spaceship. Yeah, they're giants like the attacks. They're, they're giants, exactly. Um, there's a, a spaceship that the good guys, the, the humans, fly around in, which in, is probably the size of a city. Um, it looks sort of like an aircraft carrier, and it it itself can also transform into a giant robot that's probably as big and as tall as a city, with arms and legs and heads and stuff. Um, and that's called the SDF-1. There's a lot of weird vocab and terms in this. Um, Some of the main characters, probably the the biggest main character on the human side, uh, a a smart-aleck pilot named Rick Hunter. um, And he has a kind of on-again, off-again girlfriend named uh, Lynn Minmay. Um, And then there's the other woman in his life, Lisa Hayes, who's a Uh, Minmay Minmay officer. Yeah, Minmay is just, I mean... I don't even know if we should talk about Minme at this point but Minmay is just a character in this show that is uh, like, No,
0: we we know we we need we need we need to talk about Minmay now.
1: We need to talk we have to have the Minmay discussion. She's so she's in one sense We have
0: to have the Minmay discussion.
1: I don't want to say that she's the comic relief of the show but she's definitely like she's not a obviously she, she doesn't have blonde hair but she's kind of the quote-unquote ditzy blonde of the show, I would say. Um her her story arc is really fascinating <laughs> because yeah, it's like she um she starts off as kind of a waitress and then becomes a famous pop star singer. Oh, that's the other thing I should we should back up. This weird big spaceship that the humans are flying around in. Um for various reasons that I don't know if we should get into now, in the belly of that spaceship is an entire civilian city with buildings and public buses and parks and restaurants. And there's all these people living inside the belly of this spaceship. Um, and Min Mei is one of these civilians. Um, she eventually becomes kind of like a pop star and a movie star and she becomes really famous. Um, spoiler alert, eventually the music she starts to sing sort of becomes a weapon in the fight against the aliens because the aliens don't understand human emotions. And all of a sudden they start getting feeling emotional about things because of her music and yada, yada. Um, I mean, even as a little kid, I remember <laughs> that Min May was just sort of like, just you know, just too much, you know, because she's very fickle, very weird. Um, I mean, do you have any Min May me- memories?
0: Uh- <laughs> oh well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Min was—I don't want to say was something of a joke in our family, but but she was a character who it was—it was a little easy just to make jokes of. Like I remember, like mom making some sort of men-made jokes. And I remember what they were now, of course, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, really long story short, long time ago, the spaceship crashes on earth. Right. And obviously humans don't understand what it is, but they start working on it. They fix it back up and literally the entire like Island, I think of Macross grows up around it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's how we've got this city in the belly of the beast here. Um, and yeah, Minmay, it, it's, I don't know, It there's there's this kind of um, like, I don't know, music idol kind of trope that you get in anime sometime where, you know, somebody starts from humble beginnings and they, they make it big as a pop star. When we start getting into the whole like Minmay's music is... Uh, uh, weaponized because it gives the Zentradi's the feels Mm -hmm. Um, that that's where things really start kind of getting a little off the rails and a little weird because well and I mean really weird because you know in in just studying like weird stuff as I do you know there's always these things where it's like oh well you know aliens are trying to study humans because we have feelings and they don't get it and that kind of stuff. So, so getting a little bit of this in Robotech as well, it's there's just this weird parallel that's going on. Um, Yeah. But but min was just, yeah, a little bit of comic relief. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The aliens in this movie, in this cartoon show are just so out there because like, I mean, there's one episode when the aliens basically kidnap our heroes, the humans, Rick Hunter, Lisa Hayes, and some other guy. And they basically like try to force them to like make out and they like react like they're 10 year olds. Like they're grossed out by the whole thing. It's really bizarre and funny at the same time. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. It's like
0: grabbing the dolls and smashing them together being kiss now, kiss now, kiss now.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's, it's a whacked out show. I mean, Taylor, you're exactly right. The, the humans find this, mysterious alien spaceship that they rebuild and make their own spaceship. And then, you know, the aliens attack Earth. And because of some sort of weird alien technology, of course, the big spaceship, the SDF-1, gets, you know, mysteriously transported all the way out to the uh, outer rim of the solar system near Jupiter. And inside the belly of the spaceship is, is a chunk of this city um, that's now stuck in, in the spaceship. It's actually kind of crazy because there's a whole small story arc near the first couple episodes where um, Rick Hunter, our hero, and Lin Min May are kind of stuck inside the big spaceship, and they're trying to, like, find their way out to the rest of the crew, um, and they're running out of food, they're running out of water. And there's right. one really bizarre thing that one of the things that stands out in my memory the most, and I actually rewatched Macross about, you know, maybe in 2017, you know, um, but one of the biggest memories I had as a little kid was this really bizarre part where, you um, they think that they're going to starve walking through the inside of this big spaceship. And they luckily find a giant tuna that had been transported along with the uh, spaceship out near Pluto. And they managed to try to bring this, you know, big tuna in through an airlock. And uh, the airlock closes and it cuts off the tuna's head. And so they have to eat the tuna's head. But the thing was, the tuna, the head of the tuna was like, I don't know. It almost seemed like the size of a small Volkswagen. I mean, it was, I mean, for all I know, maybe tuna in Japan are that large. I don't know. But as a little kid, I just didn't understand why was there a giant, a fish this big? Like, I thought it had something to do with the aliens, the Zentradi's, because they're so huge. As I think one of the things we're going to learn about tonight is that a lot of my memories of this cartoon show related to the theme of, I didn't understand how the scale or size of different things related to each other. There's a couple more things I'm going to talk Mentioned that relate to that theme as we go along tonight. Um, but, you know, something that you mentioned that really stuck. Well,
0: one thing I think of, is
1: worth noting. Yeah.
0: Is that, um, honestly, I, I, I think it was more a fact of the, the Zentradi were just big fans of the song Fishheads.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Um, and, and they definitely, you know, this fish had definitely kept them alive. So I guess I guess you can't complain that much.
0: Um, it, it did. So we can't. You know, we can't complain about that.
1: It's crazy because you were talking earlier about how the American version of this cartoon took a whole bunch of different um, unrelated things and and welded them together into a product for the American market. And it's fascinating because that it, it really reminded me of the episode we did a couple months ago about Transformers and how when Transformers toys were released in the United States back in the 80s, a lot of the different toys that we got that were branded as Transformers actually started off in Japan as different and unrelated toy lines. And it's really kind of interesting. Apparently, according to my research, there's there's Mm -hmm. a gentleman, a designer by the name of uh, Shoji Kawamori, who actually designed not only a lot of the robots and vehicles in Robotech, in Macross, but also designed some of the uh, original Japanese toys that became Transformers, like Optimus Prime, stuff like that. Um, so it's really interesting how um, there's this connection between transformers and Robotech sort of. I mean, and and you can see that in the sense that a lot of the vehicles in the Robotech cartoon actually transform from vehicles into big fighting robots, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of weird because the 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 all of the weird, like licensing stuff that I wasn't even cognizant of as a little kid. Looking back now with like what we can find out on the internet, I mean, it's it's interesting because in Japan, there was the main Robotech toy, basically, the, the transforming jet aircraft spaceship, the Valkyrie, that could transform into a walking, fighting robot. And apparently, like when Matchbox released a lot of toys in the United States for the Robotech cartoon, they were unable to get... The rights to release that main toy because I guess from what I can tell Hasbro beat him to the punch and actually licensed that toy to release under the Transformers label as I think his name was Jetfire actually, um, which is really bizarre because it's like you go to the okay. toy store, you're looking for, you know, you're, it's 1987 or something, you know, you're, you're eight years old, you go to the toy store, you're looking for a Robotech toy. You can find a whole bunch of Robotech toys under the Matchbox label, but you can't find the one you really want. And then you turn around and you look at the other aisle you find a Hasbro Transformers toy, and that's the exact toy, that's the exact robot from the cartoon show, but it's a completely different franchise. I mean, it's so it's so bizarre. It's like all of these different universes kind of cross-pollinating into each other, and it just kind of boggles my mind a little bit. I don't know. It's kind of funny, but looking back on it.
0: Anyway, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: But, you know, it's interesting because the, the, the three different... Japanese cartoon shows that went into the American Robotech. It's funny because the first one, Macross, I have such strong memories of, um, especially things like the incidental music that they would play in different parts of the, you know, the, the rousing music, the uh-huh. music they would play when there was a romantic scene going on, something like that. Um, but the it's funny because the other two shows that formed basically the second and third acts of the american robotech cartoon show i have so little memories of i mean even like the second one i think it would we called it in the united states the sentinels or no the masters um that one i mean in my show notes i just left it completely blank because as the more i thought about it the more i was like i have no memories of this i tried to like look online at some of like the episode lists and summaries and i'm like nope i have I really don't know what's going on with that one. So I don't know if you have a lot of memories of like those other parts of the Robotech cartoon, um, but it's really tough. Cause I really, I really was scratching.
0: You know, head. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really, because again, I don't, I don't remember it being separate acts. It just all kind of blended together.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. So
0: I don't have this sense in my head until, I mean, really until you get to the new generation, Mm -hmm. you kind of get to that third act part Mm -hmm. because that something about that was clearly different from the previous two Mm -hmm. um like i know one of the things that stands out for me was was uh i think it was called the cyclone it was like this this motorbike that also would transform into like some sort of like exosuit uh, totally. for the writer um and i remember having the toy of that That was a really really cool toy
1: totally um, cool toy. totally cool design so i i i have
0: memories of that being separate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but the the whole second act um i i i think in my mind it, it, it's just the first two just kind of blend together so i don't really right. have separate memories of that
1: yeah, and it was really weird too. I mean, I I can I guess I can remember as a kid thinking that it was kind of weird in the first bit. You had the bad guys being these alien, giant human-looking aliens called Zentradi, um, and then you get into the third act, you know, where the the aliens are these giant crab-looking dudes called Invid. And I think I had an Invid toy, if I'm not mistaken, a Matchbox yes. Invid toy. But it was just kind of weird because I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess the bad guys are now big giant crabs that walk around you know and and you know I don't want to say that dismissively god bless japan thank you so much for giving me you know cartoons where aliens are the bad guys and their giant crabs walking around i mean that's just so i don't know where that comes from it's so cool it's so funny and it's so bizarre i just think it's wonderful you know um because I kind of feel that if there was an American yeah. television production company and somebody walked into the room and pitched that idea, they'd probably be escorted from the building. I don't know. It's just me. I just have that feeling. Um,
0: no, I, th- I, think you were, I think you were spot on with that. There there are so many things that would not fly in an American um, writer's room or, or, or on an American network um, that t- can totally happen as... You know, the, the 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 Japanese plot lines. There's, there's stuff that is so bizarre. I mean, I, I kind of dove into watching some anime over the summer because there just really wasn't anything else to watch mm, okay. on TV that I was finding interesting. And some of the stuff where it's like, you know, I'm watching a show and the plot line's going along, and then, okay, here's this twist. And I'm like, wow, I know I would not have even guessed mm-hmm. that was coming. That is so out there you know like here's here's the thing where uh yeah um aliens are actually living closed and they're trying to take over (laughs) humanity and i'm like wait what
1: (laughs) it's perfect it's great i mean so sure
0: giant crabs why not
1: i don't why not it it it, kind of worked for a child's mentality or child's psyche i think you know it just was like okay you know crabs are are bad guys i guess i can kind of see that you know um I mean, there's so many, there's so many. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, going back to the, the first act of Robotech, the Macross bit, I mean, there's so many of these characters that are just, are so um, interesting and compelling. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that talk about the love triangle between Rick Hunter, Min May, and Lisa Hayes, the kind of uh, chromogeny um, military officer, but there's this one little um, uh Little story arc that I just absolutely love. There's a there's a human, um, and he's a fighter pilot named Max Sterling, and he's an ace fighter pilot, and he actually falls in love and he's actually one of these Zentradi alien bad guys, a lady spy named Miria. And there's this amazing um, couple episodes story arc where the two of them are basically you know fighter pilots on the opposing side of great war. And they're both aces, and neither one has been beaten, essentially. And Max manages to essentially beat her on several attempts or several encounters, you might say, you know, dogfights and things like that. And and so apparently what happens is Miria is taken by the leadership of the Zentradi aliens and sent as a spy into the SDF-1, the human spaceship. And it's fascinating because you're thinking, wait a second. The aliens are as tall as a three story building. How is this going to work? Well, apparently, the Centrati aliens are able <laughs> to shrink their species to be just as small as a human. So, again, we're getting back to the whole thing about where as a little kid, I might have missed one or two episodes and I'm thinking, wait a second, five, three, three episodes ago, she was as tall as a three story house. Now she's five foot seven. What's going on here? But it's so great because basically what happens is, you know, they're inside this spaceship where there's, again, there's a city inside the spaceship. So they're at, a, of course, a video game arcade. And they end up playing um, some sort of fighter game arcade video game against each other. And Miria, this alien spy, realizes that the person she's playing the video game against, Max Sterling, must be the pilot that she's had so many dogfights with. And eventually, like, you know, she's... she's so, you know, distraught over the fact that there's somebody who's a better fighter pilot than her that they eventually go on a date, but she intends to like stab him to death on their first date or something like that. But then I guess they kiss and she falls in love with him and they get married and they have a kid. And the kid actually supposedly, according to the, the, the American folks who produced the Robotech cartoon show, she grows up to be kind of the protagonist of the second act of the of the RoboTech cartoon show, the Masters bit. But anyway, I, I just love, I just love that little bit <sighs> of the story arc so much better than the Rick May Lisa stuff because that one's more like a soap opera, and this one's more like a barroom brawl kind of situation. You know, um, totally cool. Uh, Max
0: Sterling. Flew, yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah, he flew with this like really badass Valkyrie fighter jet that was like um, robin eggs blue almost. And I at my work, I only have three. Okay. I only have three toys on my computer desk, and two of them are Robotech toys, and one of them is, is his little uh, jet airplane, which is something I really, uh, really adore. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, the. the this I, always, I, always liked, I always liked the. Um, because the, the Veritech fighters, they could either be jet mode, full like robot mode, or they had this halfway in between mode, which was like, I'm a jet, but I've got legs. Legs and and I and always arms, liked right. that the
1: best. Yeah, I think they called it.
0: Yeah, like right, legs arm. and arms, but I'm a jet.
1: Right, but you're the jet. You're the body of the sure. jet. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 a weird concept. I mean, I almost. But kind of I, it. I always liked
0: that. I don't know why.
1: Oh, it's totally badass. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing that basically if you're like in the fifth grade and you're the back of the class and you're goofing off and you're just sketching stuff, this is the kind of stuff you're going to sketch a jet airplane with arms and legs and a big gun, like blowing stuff up. I mean, it yeah. really, it really caught that. Yes. kind of yeah, that's exactly right. On the edge of puberty kind of thing going on, you know, um, totally badass. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the, um, The the main vehicle that the the aliens, the Zentradi, fly around in and try to blow stuff up is this weird-looking thing that doesn't look anything like a jet plane. It's called a battle pod, and it's this really bizarre thing that looks like a light bulb with two chicken legs on it. I mean, it almost kind of looks like that thing from The Return of the Jedi that, like, the Ewoks try to blow up. You know, those, like, little things that walk around and blow people up, you know, that big robot. The the ATST yes exactly right i mean it's sort, i mean that's probably the closest thing i can compare it to i guess you know um i mean it was totally. yeah no i stuff.
0: that i mean i think that's a fair comparison i know kobe still has one mm, okay nice
1: it, it, it always kind of confused me too because the good guys are basically piloting these three-story tall robots that can walk and talk and they have arms and legs and guns and of course, transform into a jet plane. But the aliens they're fighting against are just as tall as those robots, and yet the aliens are piloting these weird spacecraft battle pod things. So you think, okay, so that thing's got to be at least, you know, if the if the if the if the pilot's three stories tall, that robot spaceship has got to be like maybe six stories tall. But it's so crazy because a lot of the animation you see, the battle pods fighting the. Um, the Valkyries, the Veritech Fighters. And it's almost like they almost are, in some instances, they look about the same height, basically. And that was definitely another thing that as a little kid, it didn't like sour me on the cartoon. I still dug it. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the animation. But I remember distinctly as a kid being like, wait, how can they both be the same height when the pilot of one it's like this whole the whole scale thing again it's almost like the whole thing about like in in transformers when megatron was this giant robot and he could transform into a gun but then the gun could shrink down small enough that star could hold him in his hand and like shoot optimus prime it was that whole like you know um yeah um, you know um suspension of disbelief kind of thing but i guess if we're dealing with giant alien crabs in the third act I
0: mean, well so i i have i have something that really helps oh okay I have something that really helps with with kind of rationalizing that stuff. And it's something I've developed from many years of watching Doctor Who. Okay. Um, And I just, I repeat to myself, it's just a show I should really just relax. Right.
1: Exactly. Totally. Um, (laughs)
0: Lessons from MST3K.
1: Exactly. The legend. Um, We we, we definitely, as kids, had a lot of... exposure to robotech not only on on television but actually also our favorite um comic book shop that mom would take us to um down in um yes on el camino real i believe right
0: yeah down in santa clara
1: right right yeah that was such a great comic book shop i remember mom was telling us something i was asking mom before this episode like if she had any memories of that comic book shop and she she was telling me this soul story about how like when we were little kids we would go on diets And then we would have like one day a week where if we were good, we could eat like junk food. And that was the day she would take us to the comic book shop. So maybe that's partly why I have such fond memories of it. Oh, interesting. I had like a whole sugar, carbohydrate, Pavlovian thing going on maybe. Um, But I remember there being tons of (laughs) like, um, there were like, um, I mean, there was so much, so much Robotech stuff floating around in terms of merchandise. There were, um, actual model kits made by the model company Revell, I think, um, those were weird too because they were mm-hmm. issued under the name Robotech, and some of the models were for robots that you would see in the cartoon show, and then some of the robots in the model, the line of model kits, were robots that you never saw in the cartoon show, but they were from other Japanese properties. Again, it's this kind of thing where you know things are coming in from Japan. Everybody in the United States wants to kind of cash in and they're really kind of, you know, maybe not looking at the the fine details so much about, you know, storyline cont- continuity or things like that. But it was definitely really cool stuff. Um, a lot of really cool yeah. tech comic books, I think, that we picked up.
0: Um, I think you met. May- yeah, I, I remember picking up a yeah. graphic novel. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's just what I was starting to say. I've, I've got, um, in in one of many boxes in my closet, I've still got um, the original Robotech graphic novel, um, which is not the same thing that you will see in the artwork for uh, this month's episode. I think that's just a straight comic book
1: mm, okay. that
0: I'm holding. Um, sadly, I don't have those shorts anymore either. Uh, an because that, those be pretty cool to still own. <laughs> yes. Although, although I'm really my my hair, hopefully, will soon be be just as short. I'm I'm a little over two for my next pandemic haircut, um, but it will look very similar to that. Uh, hopefully, very soon. <laughs>
1: um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I think I think it was called R and K Comics. I think that was the name of the comic book shop. Um, unfortunately, I don't
0: think yes. Still yep, that's it. R and K Comics.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I went online to try to see if I could find like you know maybe there's like. Web page, or there's like a guy, like an email address of the guy who ran the place, or something. And I'm, sh- I'm sure if I looked harder, I'd find more stuff, but I really couldn't. It was really kind of bumming me out, actually. Um, but you know, there was so <laughs> many, there was like, um, the thing about Robotech was there was a really big thing in the 80s coming out of Robotech, um, with role playing games. And of course, role, they were role playing games for a lot of other different, yes, franchises and properties back then, and even today. But I can distinctly remember us going to the legendary d Hobby Shop, which I'm sure we've mentioned on plenty of episodes of this podcast before. Um, mm-hmm. And there were so many things about Robotech that I loved in the context of the role-playing games. I never did and have never done really any role-playing games, but there were amazing um, metal miniatures sold, I think, by a company named Dark Horse, which, of course, you know, avid role-players, okay. role games, people who played role-playing games could purchase and paint. And there was this whole thing in the DnJ hobby shop, which if I remember correctly, and hopefully you can tell me if I'm remembering this correctly, when we would go into the doors of the hobby shop, there were almost one of the very first things you would see was like this huge glass display case. And in the display case were examples yes. of fully assembled and painted model kits, but also intensely detailed painted little me- metal miniatures of either toy soldiers or gaming pieces that people would use with various um role-playing games and it was almost like i got the feeling that like you would yeah these things and there would be like a little business card next to it because there were people who you could hire to paint your role-playing game figures or little metal figures i think so it was almost like an advertising thing in a sense you know what i mean and i remember as a kid like i'd go that
0: wouldn't surprise me
1: yeah i would go in there and that was like not only the first thing i'd look at but like probably my favorite thing to look at because it was like i was seeing all these amazing either model kits or role-playing game pieces already fully assembled and painted and you know, every time I would try to paint like a little figure that I might buy a little lead figure at the Hobby, of course it would look horrible. I mean, I didn't, I don't and to this day have any artistic skills. I cannot do detail work or I don't have the hand dexterity. I can't do any of the, um, you know, um, weathering effects, things like that. Things that I loved so much from the, these little models or even like model train kits, that kind of stuff. Um, there was a book that i picked up i'm sure I picked mm-hmm. up at it might have been somewhere else um it was actually a source book for role-playing games um, and this one was a robotech one it was called book one macross it came out in november of 86 and somebody scanned it and put the whole thing online you can pick one up pretty cheap on ebay but i'm a cheapskate right so i found this thing online and i the thing about nostalgia the thing about this podcast especially is every once in a while. I will revisit something that I haven't either listened to or looked at or whatever for, in some cases, more than 20 years, 20, 30 years. And for me, for this episode, for tonight, it was this source book for this role-playing game. And going through this book, I can't tell you. It's amazing how you could read something or look at a, a little drawing or an illustration in a book. And it still blows my mind that 25 years later, I might not have seen this thing for 25 years but I remember every little detail about it. And that's something that I, I don't know if it just makes me feel like it reassures me, making me feel that my brain still functions in a sense, like my deep memory storage banks are still intact, I guess. Um, weird as that might sound. And there was just something, there was it was so detailed. Like there were whole chapters on like, if you were going to play this role-playing game and you wanted to create a character in this universe, there were whole chapters on like, is your character going to be, have a a problem with addictions to like substance abuse, drugs, alcohol. There was a whole chapter explaining what drug addiction was, you know? And it was like, I I was reading this thing and I realized it's like, you know, I probably learned more about, you know, issues relating to substance abuse from this role-playing book than I ever learned from any like Church of Latter-day Saints, like public service announcement on like Saturday morning cartoons or anything like that. You know what I mean? It was like, it was almost like a the like there was something about role playing source books that was like it would be something perfect to read if you yourself wasn't a, weren't a human being and you wanted to learn what you know you know mental health issues were all about or physical strength was all about or you know that kind of stuff it was so detailed and so I just loved reading this book it was just so cool because it just fit into this whole Robotech universe and it answered so many bizarre questions that the cartoon show raised in my mind and then left me hanging because either it didn't explain it or because the American translators of the cartoon show decided not to really, you know, delve into one particular topic or aspect or something like this and so for me for tonight's episode this like role-playing game source book was just like i can't tell you like the emotions i had going through this thing it's just even now i still look at it and it just gives me goosebumps i guess i don't know i'm sorry to go on and on like this but i'm gushing at this point please stop
0: me yeah no 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 you're fine you're fine it 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 i'll gladly stop you because um i want to Kind of comment on the the role playing guide here. Uh, looking at the cover, I mean, I remember this. You remember the cover at least. Right? I totally remember this. Yeah. Um, I remember it's... the cover at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't dive too far into the pages, just uh-huh. because you know we're recording right now and we have lag as it is. So I don't want to stress the bandwidth any more than we already are. Right. Um, but I I do have recollections of that book, and I. I never really got into role playing games either as much as i I think they're cool, and I think I could have fun with them now as an adult. I mean, as a kid, I was like that's way too much math and way oh, right. too many like mm-hmm. rules for me to be able to try and follow yeah. um, but i have I now have the inkling maybe not tomorrow, but maybe on Sunday I'm going to try to dig into these boxes, mm. unearth the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. Put my hands on it and I'm, God, I don't know, but that, that book might still be around. Oh, if you still
1: have that, that would be amazing because who knows, maybe you or I like doodled in it or or took notes or who knows, you know, that would be amazing. Oh
0: yeah. I, I don't know for sure. And I make zero guarantees. It may be long gone. Yeah. But that cover is such a recollection where I'm like, I almost think that that is somewhere. Right.
1: Yeah, it was the it was this classic image. It's, I will let you know. It's like it's like deep, dark, black outer space, and one of these. There's a real famous one of these um, Valkyrie or Veritech fighters that was flown by a character named Roy Foker, and he was basically like the big brother figure to the main character Rick Hunter. And it was this really cool looking paint design. It was like black mm-hmm. and white. With, like, a skull and crossbones on it. It was totally boss. It was really great. Yeah, that's the cover of this thing. You know, really quick side, you know, I, yeah. as I said, I really didn't get into role playing games, but I have these really strong memories that just came to me of that great game store in Valley Fair shopping mall called the Game Gallery. And I have this memory of, like, um, there was yes. a whole cool area where you could buy dice for role-playing games and not only were there dice where you could get obviously Mm -hmm. a very dice piece has six sides right and of course with role-playing games you can have dice with like you know 10 sides or 15 sides or something like that but i have this like weird memory of like there were these dice that were like almost like the size of a grain of rice and they were like bright colors like there were greens or reds or something like that and it's this memory. I'm not sure if it's even an accurate memory. I'm not sure if it was like, if that's even a thing in role playing, like the idea of having a, a, a dice piece that's that, that small or something, but I just had to spit it out because I just, it's this thing. Sometimes these memories just come to me when we talk about these things. I just had to kind of get it out before I forgot it.
0: But, and that's, um, that, 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 you know, no, no, that's fine. that That's funny because I don't, that's not the story I thought you were going to tell when you started into it.
1: Oh, well, what did you think I was going to,
0: because I I remember I don't remember grain of rice sized dice at all okay. um, and I don't know of any game systems that would use that right um, what I remember at one time I think you actually bought a 100 sided die
1: oh really oh wow that
0: that's I, I think so and it and it it, it it was it had obviously so many facets. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it wasn't a hundred. Maybe it was like forty eight. It was some huge number,
1: right? Right.
0: That it had so many facets that if it had any more, it would just be a sphere. Right.
1: Right. Um, right, right. Right. Yeah, it must and, have been some it, sort of It wasn't small purchase. by
0: any means. I mean, it was. You'd hold it in your hand. Yeah,
1: maybe like a like a. Not for some of time. these
0: games, you know. Okay. For, for some of these games, and it and it wasn't that big. I mean, it was it was a die. You could hold it in three fingers. Oh. Um, but for some of these game systems, yeah, you would need, you know, uh, a, a 1D48 or something like that. The nice thing is there's a lot of game systems now where it's like, look, you just need six-sided dice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're fine. You right. don't need, you know, four-sided or eight-sided or 12-and-a-half-sided or whatever. Right.
1: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm
0: but i have this memory of you having like this really high number sided dice just because you wanted it because yeah, it was
1: cool just because it was yeah that's usually why i would you know yeah exactly there were so many things i wanted not because i needed but just because they were crazy i'll have to ask mom about that she she might remember something about that but that's interesting do you remember like if it had a particular color yeah it's it's a half memory at best okay right,
0: right. Uh, i my gut wants to say green
1: okay Okay, so not white. Okay, um,
0: you know I don't think so.
1: Um, just really quickly, some of my um, favorite. I mean, the thing about Robotech—it's called Robotech, obviously. There's robots everywhere. You know, I mean, the '80s were a decade of robots, I guess you might say. Um, really quickly, some of my favorite robots, um, or I guess technically, I guess the Japanese term is mecha for some of these these machines. Basically, um, there was a a type of one of these Veritech fighters that was called a VF-1A. And that was my favorite one. It's affectionately known as the Brownie, and it's a brown-colored one of these jet fighter airplanes that transforms into a giant robot. It's kind of funny because it's essentially the Robotech version of the guy on Star Trek that wore the red shirt. Because basically, if you ever saw an episode of Robotech and there's a big battle scene going on, if you ever saw one of these brown jet planes... You basically knew it was going to explode because it was the kind of plane that they would never put, like, really a main character in kind of thing, you know? But for some reason, I just, I really dug it. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I see it now. Yeah. Um, and, And one of the things I loved the most about Robotech was, if we recall, there's this big spaceship with a city in the belly of it. And there are these robots that travel around the city that are vending machines and they're intent on making the lives of the people who live in the city so much better. Um, There are soda machine robots there. There's one robot. That's basically like um, a camera. Like if you're on a date and you want to take a picture with your girlfriend, there's a robot that will drive up to you and you put a quarter inside of it and it'll take your photo. Um, And there's a whole like, army of these lesser robots in this universe in this cartoon show that as as a little kid and now as a 40 year old like you know man child i just totally adore and i am desperately waiting for the day when there's going to be toys of these particular robots released for robotech which i really hope eventually someday happens
0: Um, yeah i i these are these are like all the background droids in star wars exactly right that's that's the perfect analogy
1: actually yeah definitely um it, it's really kind of a bummer because from what little i understand um a, a lot of the hardcore fans of robotech absolutely loathe and hate um a company that we mentioned earlier to in tonight's episode harmony gold which was basically the company that imported these japanese cartoon shows and like sliced and diced them for the american market from what i've been able to read online harmony gold right. is like super sketchy a lot of its executives have gotten mixed up in like international money laundering and all this like totally like quasi-legal stuff you know um and it's really kind of oh my gosh yeah it's just it's this really weird thing um but apparently they still have the rights so every once in a while i always hear these rumors that there's going to be like um like a live action american big budget um, film adaptation of right right and it, it's really kind of crazy because i guess there's there's some really big names in hollywood that are about our age and also grew up loving this cartoon show. So I always see names attached to it like um, like Toby Maguire or Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's just imagining a Robotech universe where there's those types of actors in it is just mind-blowing to me, actually. I mean, I kind of hope it never happens, but at the same time, I would be fascinated to see what it looks like, basically. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that that would be interesting. There, There's, um, there's another, there's an anime from uh, about 1998, I think, called Cowboy Bebop. Mm -hmm. Um, that served as a a big influence on the TV show Firefly. Mm. Um, So so think um, Space Western.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, And there is there actually is kind of in some form of production a live action version of that but I think they just switched showrunners before it's Mm -hmm. something happened and and it's kind of like hung it up. I mean other than the pandemic but Oh, wow. So I get it, and I get it with Robotech. I mean, I've heard rumors of live-action versions as well, and obviously nothing's ever come of that.
1: Mm. There was, um, uh, as we mentioned already on the show, uh, the toy company Matchbox, I guess, was the big American importer and distributor of, of Robotech toys in the United States. And I have this super strong memory of one of my, probably my top three Robotech memories, childhood Robotech memories, um, I was with mom at the you know, local branch of the Mervyn's department store over in Santa Clara. And I'm sure mom had taken me down there to get husky Slap mm-hmm. or to get new shoes for school. And I had to do the dummy walk or something like that. And it's crazy because um, I don't remember that particular Mervyn's having like a toy section or a toy aisle, really. But for some reason, one day yeah. there was this huge... I mean, it was huge. As I mean, like I'm nine years old, so I mean, it probably wasn't that huge, right? But to me, it was this huge, like metal bin in the middle of one of. It wasn't even like on a shelf. It was like in the middle of the aisle you would walk through, and inside this bin, it was filled to the hmm. brim with a line of RoboTech Matchbox toys that were. It's called. It's this diecast collector series of civil defense unit mecca and it's a one to 144th scale it's basically some of the lesser fighting robots from this cartoon show robots that you know humans would walk around inside of and blow okay. eyes but they wouldn't really necessarily transform into jets or anything but instead like their arms would be full of missiles or something like that and they were in these like little gray boxes, okay and like they were like discounted like you wouldn't believe like i almost got the feeling that like you know these were like overstocked from some toy store and it was almost like they got delivered to Mervyn's by mistake. And like the manager had no idea what to do with these things and just put them in this huge bin. And it was like, I was going through this bin left and right being like, like, Oh my God. It was like, these are all like 69 cents. It's like, mom, let's buy all of them basically. And it was like, I can't tell you. It was like one of the happiest toy memories of Mm -hmm. my childhood. Basically it was so good. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh, nice. Totally. Nice. You know, Um, one memory that I have. Yeah. one memory that I have is in fourth grade, Yeah, um, I had a, a friend in my class named, I think, Takeshi. Okay. And um, obviously, Robotech was big at that time. And he was like, oh, oh, oh I'll totally draw you an SDF1. Oh, and I was nice. like, oh, my God. That, yeah. You know? And what he produced was, like, so perfect. Hmm. Like, it was drawn so well. Yeah. That I. I I mean, I was. I was shocked. I was stunned. Like, like I. I was still doing stick figures in fourth grade. Like, you know, I wasn't even. I wasn't even at the level where I could like draw a VW bus, um, because it's like the only thing I can draw well that waves. That I. I hung on to it for years. Huh. um, Because it was so good. Um, And in fact, I may have just like stuck it in a random frame at one point, Mm. um, just because I didn't want to like tape it to our wall. Now looking back on it, I'm like, okay, fourth grade. Either either he's an amazing illustrator, and hopefully he has an illustrious career today, mm-hmm. um, or he did a really good job of tracing it. <laughs> was it? Do you remember if it was binder paper? Or... I'll be honest, I don't know. Oh, but it, okay. no! It was it was it was blank white paper. Okay. You know, it it was like a sheet of printer paper before there was a sheet of printer paper.
1: Was the SDF-1 spaceship in the spaceship configuration or the giant robot configuration?
0: It w- it was it was in it was in its robot configuration. It was standing okay. up.
1: Gotcha. Okay. I have to wonder yeah. if we have any childhood photos of I, like I a remember. bedroom, and you can see it on the wall or something. You know.
0: I boy, I don't know because I think I think for a lot of that time, it was one of those things that I think I kept either tucked into the graphic novel or the RPG. Okay, I gotcha. But I, I've got a pretty strong feeling that it just doesn't exist anymore.
1: Mm, that's a cool story, though. I love stuff like that. That's great.
0: Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It was, it was something that I was just like, like, it, it was a, at that age, it was very much a prized possession, just right. that somebody could draw something that well.
1: You got really into drawing, though, back in childhood, much more than I was ever, I think, you know?
0: I, I, I honestly, I think I was more of a doodler mm, okay. than a drawer or, or an artist, Um, like I would doodle on notebooks, I would doodle on my pants, I would doodle Mm -hmm. on my shoes, I doodle all over my backpack. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, so many backpacks. Um, you know, I, I look at the stuff that Echo draws, Mm -hmm. you know, as a nine year old, and I'm like, no, I was a doodler. She's Mm -hmm. an artist.
1: Okay, okay.
0: My, you know, just she's drawing a lot of dragons these days. And it's so detailed. Really, I'd love to see some of that oh, yeah oh yeah i'll 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 take some pictures of them. My
1: preferred childhood um medium, I guess you might say, was the um ever popular you know brown grocery store paper sack that you would kind of cut and then tape onto one of like the public school issued textbooks for the year, basically, so you weren't gonna mar the cover and then you could yeah the rest oh, of the year. You know, write your name on it. You could doodle on it. You could write notes to your friends. You could draw Robotech stuff. I mean, that was that was like. I, I wish I yep. had any sort of memory or image of what my drawings on those book covers looked like because that was basically your. It was almost like social currency. It was like that, a, that, you know, principles that you could, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you could you could show your affiliations or your let your absolutely and them. and it's one of those
0: things. That, yeah, and and once you filled it up, you could just take it off and, and fold up another, you know, brown paper bag from the grocery store. And, and there you go.
1: Totally. Do
0: you remember though? Do you remember the ones that you could get from round table? No. What was that? Oh my God. Do you not remember these? You used to be able to get like right at the beginning of the school year. Okay. You go into, you know, round table to get your pizza. Okay. And they would have like a stack of, like pre-printed uh, sheets that you would fold onto your textbooks. But then it basically, I mean, think, think pirates and the cats all, uh-huh. right? All but right. this was like a round table scene and it was, you know, medieval, but it's pizza and stuff. And and it was all just line art. So you could color it in.
1: Oh my God. that is While so you're not cool. paying attention in class. Wow. I, I, you know what? I'm going to Google Those were seconds. the best. I, I love those. Wow i I have no memory of that, but I'm so excited to see if I can find an image and see if it sparks a memory. Basically, wow! I have to take a look at that.
0: That That would be awesome if you could find an image. I don't know why I've never thought till I actually searched that up myself. But yeah. yeah, if there's still anything like that out there,
1: that's awesome. It would be so cool. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Can we can we can we talk a little bit about the music just for a second? I know that we kind of mentioned that it was just a great sound, like theme song, but it was like, of course, it was so rousing yeah it was like almost like 18 level theme song yes you know um i mean it didn't have it was
0: very orchestral and yeah no but but the the nature of it 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 was it was rousing it was swelling it was you know um um almost patriotic in a sense Mm -hmm. um it was orchestral it wasn't anything like you know like in a lot of other ways it wasn't like anything else yeah that we were exposed to in terms of cartoons at the time totally totally yeah
1: yeah i mean there was something about yeah there was just it was almost like you know we had our saturday morning cartoons and then we had robotech and robotech just felt like i'm still watching a cartoon i'm still a kid but i felt a little bit more just a little bit more adult i guess you know um
0: yeah and yeah
1: yeah yeah. and uh it's um uh, and and I, I can't tell you how um, just it's it's some of the music, some of the music of some of the cartoon shows that I rewatched from my childhood. It's like those are the things that I might not remember the like all of the episodes or all of the characters or all of the plot lines, but it's like I remember like the music so well, so crystal clear. So I don't know what aspect of the internal structure of my brain that's like highlighting or making it flash or basically anything like that, but it's it's so good. Um, I, I, I definitely remember us having, or I think you had it. I think you had one particular Transformers or a Robotech toy that was um, the the Veritech fighter that we mentioned earlier, the black and white paint scheme. Um, and it was like a small little guy. I think it was mm-hmm. like three or four inches. Yeah. Yeah. Skull and crossbones. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm always um, sure yours. i probably say nine.
0: four or five, but yeah, I remember that one.
1: Yeah. And that was a pretty cool one. That was a great toy. Um, I I did see one commercial on the internet Mm -hmm. from about 85, 86 for a Robotech toy that we never had. And I never even heard of as a child, but it was basically a five foot tall cardboard version of the giant SDF-1 spaceship, which was like perfect because so many of the other toys, especially the die cast one, were small enough that you could basically almost, it was almost to scale for a lot of the other toys in that line. And I swear, if I knew as a child that this toy existed, I would have slit throats to have this thing. It was, it was boss. And it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you say in the show notes. It's the kind of thing that these days is just, just going to be so hard to find because it's cardboard basically. So, you know, how many kids probably jumped up and down? Yeah. And I can't imagine yeah. any of those survived. Exactly. Right. It's totally very ephemeral, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Jeez. Robotech. Wow.
0: You know, there was one time I was, and this was maybe within the past five years,
1: okay. um, and, I, and I
0: think I've got a picture of it on my Instagram account somewhere if somebody was crazy enough to dig back through that many posts. Um, but I was in the uh, Target parking lot at the Target closest to my work okay. and walked past a minivan. And did a double take and kind of like just walked back to it and had to get a picture because the license plate is a vanity plate that said SDF one.
1: Oh really? No way. Was it um what what uh, dead was serious? It? Was it like a a a twenty first century license plate or was it like a really old one, like color scheme wise? Or
0: yeah, it was. It was. It, it was. It was one of the the you know the California lipstick plates. One of the oh, the current. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. It was. It was white and you yeah. know white with the blue letters. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. That's so good. Um, Although,
0: oddly enough, in the video game that I play a lot of right now, Gran Turismo Sport, Uh um, there is a uh, what's called a livery editor where you can actually, you know, customize the paint and the decals and everything on a car. Okay. Um, And I just got just a wild hair one night, and there's a. uh, It's technically a concept car. Mm. Uh, It's all electric, uh, Hyundai race car it's super slick very space age looking kind of thing and i kind of looked at it and i said you know what i'm gonna make this thing look like a veritech fighter
1: <laughs> no way I'm so
0: i went you know full crossbones <laughs> i did the un spacey logos on it oh. um it's it's got these little air brakes that pop up in the back like like air like actual oh, yeah. like wing air brakes you know and i put like the the black and yellow uh, emergency. You know, thing on it, so every time those things pop up, it looks more like a jet fighter. It actually turned out really well. I was was very pleased with it.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the weirdest parts of Robotech for me, at least these days, I mean, not when I was a kid, like, you know, in the universe of the cartoon, the Earth authorities that are basically fighting the aliens, um, it's called UN Spacey. So, UN, obviously, United Nations, that makes sense. Spacey, well, it's outer space, I guess. But it's S P A C E Y or S P S P A C Y. Anyway, it's spacey. It's not. No, spacey. there's no e. no e. Okay. S- yeah. That's, yeah. And it's like I so don't even to this day I don't understand that because when I think okay if you said space it would make sense it's like outer space but it's called UN spacey so when I think spacey I think like a space cadet or somebody that's just really goofy and it's just it I don't know if it's <laughs> in in. Japan. I don't know if in Japan the word spacey is something is a u- word used for to describe space agencies or something like that but it's just it's so weird because you have these 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 vehicles in this cartoon show that are drawn so cool, and the design is so badass. And then you have on the plastered on the side of it something that says "Un Spacey," and it's just it almost like it ruins the effect for me in some way because it just looks so goofy to me. I don't know. It's just this thing. It's just this weird thing, I guess. But I it, know.
0: I think, I think it's one of those things where in in a lot of cartoons from Japan, you see major brands or or stores or restaurants. Mm -hmm. where they'll switch one or two letters Mm -hmm. um but they'll keep everything looking basically the same so you're like okay i i know that 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 that's a mcdonald's Mm -hmm. even though it doesn't exactly say mcdonald's i know what you're going at or i i know that that's a a family mart store Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though it doesn't exactly say family mart or 7-eleven or whatever right i think that might be what it is. I've never in in the research that we did for this episode, I didn't see anything explaining why it says UN Spacey.
1: <laughs> I just love it. It's just one another. It's like the giant alien crab villains, you know. It's just it's this wacky thing, and it's like okay, it's UN Spacey. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, one yep. of the, I, I guess the last exactly. Thing, I guess the last thing that I have tonight. It's something I I only found just recently, so unfortunately I didn't get it in the show notes. But I just wanted to mention it really quickly. Um, there were all these great Robotech. Toys released in the 80s by Matchbox that a lot of them either we had or we desperately wanted to have. Um, and it, it's really, really interesting to me because there was this um, line of Robotech match, Matchbox toys that were released as basically Robotech fashion dolls. So it was almost like a Robotech line of toys aimed at girls. And it was like, it was dolls of okay. women from the cartoon show that were the same size and Almost looked identical to like a Barbie doll, basically. And it, there are some commercials on YouTube for these um, these girl themed RoboTech toys, and they're they're called the the line was called Women of RoboTech. And the commercials are so hmm. I don't even know how to describe them. One of the commercials stars a like five year old um, Natasha Leone, you know the actress who she's a really big actress. Oh, days. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's in this commercial selling these mm-hmm. like Robotech Barbie dolls and it's like the commercials are so funny because they start off with like, you know, um, Lisa Hayes has just gone back gotten back from a big space battle blowing up all the aliens and now she's going on a date. <laughs> you know, and it's like and it's like it's so there's something so <laughs> it 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 captures like the nineteen eighties toy gender boundary lines so well. Which I think, yeah, I think as as this, I think in the 21st century, we've sort of kind of tried to break down a lot of those artificial barriers, and I think for the best. But it's like there's something so, um, maybe politically incorrect about some of these commercials, they're just so precious. I don't know if you ever get a chance to watch any of them, I really highly recommend it. So, anyway, I'll have to take a look, yeah, yeah. Oh man,
0: well, Seb, anything else to say about? robotech that we have yet to say
1: just folks if, if there's anybody listening to our show that maybe is not familiar with this cartoon show um i mean i know it's on a, a lot of maybe not a lot but it's i think it's on one of the main streaming services if i'm not mistaken um so if you if i'm you ever, pretty
0: get, sure amazon prime
1: is it on amazon prime okay i think that sounds about right um if you ever get a chance to just throw up yeah pretty a sure it um it's 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 pretty interesting stuff um and it's it's really it's really kind of i mean it's neat because i think it really helped open american markets to to japanese animation and just there's so much today that we're just saturated with from pokemon to all sorts of different stuff you know i mean it's everywhere really um and i think for the for for the better it makes us a you know a more interesting culture really so i think it's kind of neat neat time in our history um, but yeah, and and I thank you so much for 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 you know sharing these memories with me tonight. I mean, I just I really this is one of the highlights of my month. I always kind of meeting up with you and talking about these things and getting some of these memories down and in black and white before uh, you know before we get so old that we can't really remember anything straight. You know, Um, so this has been a yeah. Most- well,
0: you know, I'm 44 now, so who knows?
1: Who knows, right? Yeah, anything could <laughs> happen.
0: Oh. Yeah exactly well next time for november on if memory serves we are going to be talking about some of our thanksgiving memories and some of that will involve the town of porterville california where oh. we would often go to visit with family for thanksgiving
1: i, I this is going to be a memory rich episode I'm, I'm sure definitely i can't wait
0: it for sure I, I i've already got stuff coming to mind awesome very cool uh uh-huh. Most definitely. Well, in the meantime, you can like us on Facebook and follow us at on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Blue Box UFO and you can follow Seb
1: at Clan McMuffin.
0: Indeed. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify wherever you consume podcasts, just search if memory serves, please give us a rate and review as well. Uh, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash the N O T L G episodes drop there first. And you can also get every single episode we put out on the network. Uh, check out NOTLG.Spreadshirt.com. Get yourself one of our sweet if memory serves shirts. Um, and you know what? The, the message is still the same. We're in a pandemic. Support your friends who are independent artists, independent business people. Um but if you've got a couple bucks and you want to support us on Patreon, that's patreon.com/slash N L G. Uh no obligation, but we always appreciate it. And if nothing else, give us a word about it. Let your friends know. We always appreciate that. Uh and with that, thank you for joining us for our Robotech discussion. And Guys, next one. Good night, folks. Oh, there's even a button for kick. I can kick you out. Ha ha, ha. I'm oh, not gonna thanks.
1: do that. <laughs> Time out.